0: Back to Custom Talks. I'm joined today with David Blakers, who is the managing director for InMoment. David, lovely to have you join us today.
1: Thank you. Looking forward to the conversation.
0: Likewise. So, InMoment, so this is basically a a customer experience and improvement platform focused on improving customer experience operations, voice of customer, and the overall customer experience. Um, And you're the managing director. So, tell us a little bit around your team and the APAC office.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so look, in Moment, uh, just, just to level set on what in Moment does and how we help clients, we're helping, I think, many of the leading brands across the APAC region to improve the customer experience, the employee experience they're delivering day in, day out. Um, we do that through a combination of uh, industry-leading uh, SaaS application and um, associated sort of services that help clients to really unlock the potential of this new capability Um I set the business up in the region seven years ago. We're a, a global company, you know, several thousand staff around the world running you know, some of the, the biggest uh, programs for you know, global brands like Nike and, and, and others. In the APAC region, we've grown really uh, quickly in, in our, our time here, which has been uh, wonderful to be part of. Uh, we're now you know, quite, a, quite a large team spread across Australia, sort of Sydney, Melbourne, over into New Zealand, Auckland, uh, up in Asia with... Um, teams in Singapore and up in China in uh, Shanghai and bang, uh, Beijing as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, like learning a lot around your company because um, there's so many different sort of areas that you and the team kind of focus on um, and, and the beauty about it is that customer experience is such a broad term that everyone is really focused on customer experience today. So it's not really just only CX leaders, it's basically the entire sort of, um, it's, it's really companies as a whole. Um I guess I guess I'm quite curious. So obviously, um, you and the team focus on that the the customer experience ecosystem itself, and would be talking to a lot of leaders all the time, right? So it's a lot Absolutely. of different companies. Yeah. Um, you <coughs> mentioned a few of them just earlier. So I'm quite curious to learn, like, what are some of the challenges you're seeing the CX leaders really facing at the moment? What's the key pain points or stories that you've um, you've heard from um, from them?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I'll probably answer it in two parts. So, one taking a, I guess, an internal lens, some of the challenges around sort of um, delivering their their customer promise, yeah, you know, keeping the the um, train running on time, but then through a customer lens. So, I think, look, internally, I think everyone's well and truly adjusted to sort of flexible work, work from home, um, and now I think most organisations have already started and/or gearing up. Um, to sort of move to a, a new normal, if, if there is such a thing, in terms of return to work. So that's that's very much front of mind, and that involves ensuring you've got high levels of staff engagement, possibly flexing up um, your teams depending on in which industry uh, you know the organisation operates in, um, and making sure you know, your suppliers, your partners are all all aligned to help you to be successful as you really ramp ramp back up. Um, so that's, I think, something that's, that's definitely uh, front of mind. Um, from a customer perspective, I think uh, the, the last sort of 12 months and most, most recently in the, the last sort of you know, few months, I think most organisations have experienced a you know, huge um, uptick in digital transformation investment. So with that um, you know, uh, remote working model with you know, physical locations being shut down through COVID, there's been a a ton of investment poured into digital channels and that's um, created huge efficiency gains and um, delivered a a much easier experience for a lot of customers, but it's brought its own challenges. So I think the continuation of uh, investment into those uh, digital channels will be uh, front of mind. And then as um, businesses sort of, again, pivot back to more of a hybrid operating model, making sure that you've got visibility of how that's going and you're able to act quickly if you know things need to improve and, and where it's working you know, double down your investment and spend.
0: Mm. And it's going to be quite interesting when um, you know with this sort of hybrid working model like you're saying because we're going to be seeing like a lot of people um, you know some, some team members in the office other team members outside the office as well so really what you're saying around making sure that the tech is up to scratch it really does need to um, be consistent across all different sort of ways of working so that you know our staff and our teams are able to, you know, give the output that they need to really.
1: So the the first thing is having real-time visibility. And once you've got that visibility, it's then getting it into the hands of the right people across the organisation to do something with it, to coach the teams, to reach out and recover a customer if something hasn't quite gone, you know, right, or you know, to reinforce the right behaviours amongst your, your teams and partners.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, I've, I've listened to you speak um, a few times and I always find this really very interesting. So um, talking around ROI, when it comes to the customer experience um portfolio, the customer experience sort of division, I guess is the right term. So quite curious, um, What's kind of your sort of um, thoughts in the process, the secrets, if you will, um, around how we're getting custom, the customer experience department able to deliver ROI back to the business? Because that's always been a pain point for the department. It's proving that um, they are delivering ROI, which they are. We know that they are. But how do we, what, what's the secret?
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's a really good question. I think um, just about anyone in any organization, if it's a you know, not-for-profit, or you know, a um, commercial enterprise understands the importance of delivering a good uh, customer experience or stakeholder experience. But proving the, the financial benefits of doing that is something that as an industry has, has been a challenge. Um, I think for, for the CX function within an organization to move from being a nice to have to a must have, there's a few Uh, things you can do um, consistently that that will, I think, elevate the importance of the team, the role and make sure you continue to get a lot of investment. Um, The first one would be to ensure that you've got your uh, CX strategy lined up to your corporate goals and your corporate strategy. If everyone in the leadership team understand how at least one or more of the, say, four or five big strategic initiatives the organisation is going to focus on, needs the CX function, needs these real-time insights, this action, you know, insights to action capability um, to enable that corporate strategy to be successful, then I think you're halfway there. Um, having strong uh, leadership commitment to this is probably the the next biggest and most important driver. So having a leadership team that just talk the talk but don't walk the walk makes it really difficult for the CX function. But assuming you've got the leadership commitment, you've got sort of your purpose and the program roadmap aligned to your corporate goals, then it's um, it's putting in place the right um, success measures for each of your listening posts. But so it's, it's beyond just choosing a CX metric, whether it's NPS or CSAT, OSAT, effort. It doesn't sort of matter what the uh, CX metric is. It's having a relevant operational financial metric lined up uh, alongside that and making sure you've got the means to track performance over time. So uh, a lot of our clients will use sort of traditional direct marketing principles around test and control um, to be able to go back over time and show the impact of um, having this capability of maybe recovering some customers that didn't have a great experience versus a cohort of customers that went through a similar uh, experience, but you know, were left to their own devices and yeah, you know, showing that the customers that you do make the effort with end up staying longer, spend more money with you, quickly starts to translate to support for the program.
0: So true, right? And I think it's quite interesting. Um, you were mentioning it earlier around having a top-down sort of approach, so you want to make sure that your CX leaders are really aligned to, um, you know, customer, your, your leaders as a whole, sorry, your board is aligned to the customer um, experience. And one of the things that we found is that, you know, if you're, board is not aligned to it then they're probably not going to last because that's cx is the competitive advantage for everyone so your board isn't aligned to it if they're not interested and they won't kind of hear it then probably it's time to change companies because they're not really going to be the ones lasting so kind of thinking around it that way as well um, i was going to say so is that kind of the key way like Ensuring you've got the right sort of metrics, and um, is that really ha- the the key way that we're going to be able to demonstrate the ROI to the board?
1: It's it's a combination, I think, of using the right right balance of um, quantitative success measures and qualitative. So, for for the board, you know, at a corporate corporate level, you'll have you know a, a typical plan on a page that gets reset every year every couple of years, and depending on each organisation, you know, the main focus will be maybe it's around, um, you know, they're a dominant player in an industry category. So it's really around retaining clients and growing, expanding their base. Um, Other clients might be a challenger brand new to market and they're all about acquiring new customers, you know, launching into new markets. Um, A a universal sort of driver that the board are always interested in, you know, is um, just efficiency. So anything that, the organization can do to lower cost to serve to basically Im- improve the productivity of the organization, even if they're a, a sort of utility or a, a government organization that's not focused on revenue. People are always interested in making it a better experience for their customers or constituents and, and lowering that cost to serve. So, generally, there'll be some sort of revenue driver, either you know, as I said, retention, growth, or acquisition. Um, and secondary sort of financial drivers around, you know, efficiency, so lowering cost to serve. The thing that's sort of, I think, becoming more prevalent with boards these days is um, focus on risk mitigation risk reduction. Um, So, again, lining the program and this capability up to to ensuring that the board understand we now have an early warning system and, and a means to understand if things aren't going well where they're not going well the means of identifying recovering customers so these things don't bubble up and become sort of industry complaints and, and make their way into the media or you know end up you know uh, you know being escalated to industry regulators so i think if if the program lines up with those things uh, you, you're definitely going to have the board's attention in terms of the storytelling with the board uh, the the qual quant sort of conversation comes in there so i think being able to actually um, basically get the emotional connection with a board member around an individual customer story is actually, it's funny, it's actually far more compelling than um, talking about you know a, a huge segment of customers having a, a bad experience. So people can relate to that individual that you're describing, what they went through, and, and they can really empathise. Once you've got that emotional connection, the understanding, they're, they're, they're empathetic to what's going on and why the organisation needs to change, invest or, or, or the progress that the organization's making, then you back it up with the uh, uh, quantitative data. So you sort of then go and talk to reach. This is actually, there's a 1,000 customers like Mary or there's 10,000 know, prospects out there that we we could be selling to if we just had these systems talking to each other. So the, I think there are a couple of the tips and tricks for getting really strong engagement with the with board. Around lining up to those corporate drivers, and then yeah, using the right mix of qual quant in your presentations with the board and/or sort of monthly, quarterly board packs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's as you were saying that I was thinking like you're talking around you know specific use cases and examples um, before mm-hmm. you go into the data and the hard facts you're humanizing it in a way. And it's really, um, I think the thing is that we sometimes forget, um, this does, I don't know how good this sounds, but I mean, it should sound good, actually. Like when we're thinking, we, we do a lot of work in the customer experience space, right? Sometimes we need to think around the internal sort of ecosystem and we need to almost think of our, um, our board almost as a customer, really, what do they want? What drives them? And that's kind of how we educate them in the same way we would educate a customer on little things you to do the same thing internally um it, it's quite interesting if we're thinking of it that way because i don't know if a lot of people are um some are um i know a lot of people in maybe um that that are more well versed in like design thinking in particular would think of it in mm-hmm. that capacity but um not everyone is yet and that's kind of what we need to really start doing
1: i think i mean under, understanding the thinking styles of your leadership team and or board members um you know it's just different people relate to information in a different way and they they respond to it either better or worse so some people are obviously you know more commercial operational uh, in the way they think and process information and they want to consume insights others are, are very strategic they then less interested in the detail others are more emotive or, or sort of creative and again you couldn't care less about process and efficiencies or any of these things but get quite excited when you, when you start to relate it back to customer stories and personas and things. So again, having an appreciation of who your target audience is in your exec reporting pack, in your board reporting pack, how they're wide and how they like to consume insights. I think again, they're the little one percenters that make a huge difference in terms of just presenting something that's sort of, you know, a fairly rudimentary pack with facts and figures and, Trends and you know, NPS scores versus really having a, a highly engaged exec stakeholder group,
0: yeah, 100%. Yeah, totally. So, let's um, let's kind of shift gears a tiny bit at the moment. So, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk a little bit around um, the employee experience and the people side of things. Um, so I think like when I'm thinking around kind of the trends that we're seeing in the market now, everyone's really invested in talking a lot around um technology that's where everyone's going everyone's investing in new sort of solutions and um and they really want to learn kind of what's the next sort of shiny technology object out there but sometimes i guess the the employee experience sort of component is also very critical and i'm very curious to kind of learn where in in your kind of viewpoint does employee experience and culture kind of fall into place especially when we are really focused on the tech ecosystem at the moment
1: yeah i'll answer the the ex question but just from a from a i guess a cx and ex market perspective and if i think as a consumer you can relate to this investing in technology alone is not going to really have the impact you're looking for um despite i think even as a consumer, your your best intentions when you go out and buy a, you know, a fancy digital camera or a you know, big screen TV with a thousand functions, you end up only ever using a handful unless someone's guiding you and supporting you along the way and evolving you know, your own capabilities and helping you progressively to unlock more and more of that capability. And that's when the technology uh, kicks in because the technology is allowing you to sort of scale the program you're running and have the flexibility you need to get to the insights quickly, but just the tech alone won't won't sort of get you there. So that's that's really the in-moment difference. It's a combination of practitioners and experts that will guide our clients on how to embed this capability, how to get the most out of the technology, not just you know license and technology and leave you to a you know, your own devices or or sort of push you off to a partner. Um, in terms of employee experience in CX, look um, your, your staff, either front of house, you know, your, your staff, at your locations, your sites, your storefront, your contact center, et cetera, they're obviously representing your brand. So whatever your customer promise is and whichever target market you've focused on, your front of house teams um, are the ones day in, day out representing the brand. And so if, if they're enabled to, to do a good job, they get the right systems and training and support needed, the resourcing they'll be highly engaged and it'll result in you know, really strong customer advocacy, customer loyalty. From an employee experience perspective as well, it, I think it's really important to also factor in um, all of your back-of-house roles. So often finance, IT, some of the sort of you know, network ops type roles. At first, they may not think they have much of an impact on the customer, but really all of the, I think, the foundational capabilities that they design and uh, build and and run uh, to allow the frontline teams to engage with customers, they're every bit as important. So having, a I think, a highly engaged workforce, both front of house, back of house, um, is critical to delivering good customer uh, experience. So if you've got a lot of turnover in your teams, it's really hard for those new team members coming on to understand all the nuances of the space, the products, the services, and deliver a good experience. Whereas if you've got a really engaged team, you know, they're, they're staying around for a good while. Uh, so they're learning um, all all the different, you know, tips and tricks and nuances. They're just gonna be better equipped to deliver a good experience for your customers. So we see consistently um, a really strong relationship between um, you know, staff engagement and customer advocacy. So, you can literally um, you know, benchmark that across an organisation based on location. And if you've got really poor you know, customer satisfaction, you'll quickly see that there's also often really low staff engagement. Uh, and it's the chicken and the egg sort of situation there, what, what you need to fix first. But obviously, it all starts, I think, with your, your people and your ability to support them. So, it's a, it's a really important uh, space for a lot of our clients. We're doing both their employee experience and their customer experience. We've got yeah, a number of clients where we just do employee experience. It's funny, we've started that way and we we sort of end up eventually helping them with their customer experience strategy as well. But the, the two are highly you know, interrelated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's the, the point that you raised as well around the fact that, you know, if you're having high turnover, it's it's very hard because there's a lot of training that needs to go into the teams to make sure Mm -hmm. that they are up to the standards that they need to for, um, for that consistent customer experience and, as you said, it's not just one division it's not say your customer service department or or any of your front facing team, it is them, but it's also your operations your back end your it teams also need to understand customer experience these days. Um, in order to make sure that we're integrating the right technologies um, into our into our system so it's not just user friendly but it's also customer friendly so um It's very much a combined approach. It can't be followed anymore. And I think people are finally starting to recognize that. That's right. So So one thing that um, I think is quite interesting to note is that when we're thinking around our customers, our customers really, they're not staying the same, right? So they're always changing their opinions, their behaviors. They they change at quite a rapid pace, especially these days. So um, I'm quite curious, like, how do you think we can continue to drive customer loyalty and retention when our customers can be quite unpredictable?
1: It's a very it's the million dollar question. Very good question. Um, I'll elevate up and say the the only constant now is change, and I think most organisations understand that. And the the organisations who are I think yeah, better equipped to adapt and evolve are the ones who typically. Um, yeah, end up surviving and or dominating in their particular industry category. Um, uh, with that changing consumer landscape, um, yeah, an organisation obviously yeah, needs to follow the same principles regardless of industry they're in. You know, we, we need to be really clear around what our proposition is going to be. Are we going to be a discount brand, a premium brand? Uh, where are we going to play? Like, what, what is our, our, our target market? Is it a certain demographic of customer? Is it geographic focus? Um, you know, what are the, the, the sort of typical personas we're selling to or servicing? Um, once they're really clear on that, and, and obviously they factor in emerging trends in industry and they're constantly testing that, but they, they need to obviously as an organisation land on their customer proposition, who they're going to focus on, They then have teams obviously um, go about designing the experience that's going to be delivered across all of the different channels that they operate through, be it digital, be it physical, um, through partner channels in some cases. And then they try to activate that that, uh, customer experience that's been designed in line with the customer promise. That's the hard bit. (laughs) Um, Driving consistency through your own internal teams and networks, maybe through franchise partners maybe through just a, a sort of reseller referral partner network those things are, are really challenging so to affect change and, and to drive consistent excellence you need visibility of what's going on as I said that means getting real-time sort of uh, signals coming back through solicited feedback through survey programs through unsolicited feedback through social sites review sites uh, compliments complaints um, Yeah, even pulling in sort of stated and uh, observed data from operational financial sort of uh, reports. So when you've got that that mix of real-time signals coming in and you're able to, you know, understand that, analyze it and enrich it with things like text analytics, push it back out into the, the hands of the right people in the organization. The first thing you can do is understand the experience we designed across our network. Is it being delivered consistently? And often, That's the low-hanging fruit. Often there's pockets of excellence. You want to replicate those, but you you might have, you know, some, you know, team members, partners, stores, franchisees, whatever it is that are really struggling. And so you can sort of work on addressing that consistency. Once you do start to get the consistency right, you then are able to sort of reflect back and say, okay, we're now delivering the customer experience we designed across the different channels, across our end-to-end customer journey. Is it having impact? Are we taking share? Are we achieving those corporate goals around retention, growth, acquisition, you know, lowering costs, whatever it was? Are we delivering? And if if the answer is yes, then you were spot on with what you were designing and where you wanted to play. If the answer is no, then you know, you've know you got to iterate and you've got to go back and, and do this all again. So the only constant is just constantly changing, evolving. Um, but it starts with driving consistency. And then once you've got that, it's really optimising. It's really then looking to introduce Yeah, expanded service offerings, differentiated service offerings to start to increase your share of wallet amongst your base. And then yeah, constantly testing, I think, new propositions to attract net new customers is the way most most organizations that are doing this well are sort of running and having that real-time visibility and ability to act on the insights coming through across all the different levels in your organization. So critical to that, I think that agility.
0: Definitely never boring, to say the least.
1: No. no. Um, yeah.
0: So I guess what is one key top tip that you would give every CX leader who are trying to really, I guess, redefine their customer strategy at the moment?
1: Yeah, look, I I, I think it would be just to, um, and this is I'm looking through, obviously, the, the, the in-moment lens and where we help organisations to embed this experience improvement capability, but, For me, it would be make sure you've got an enterprise-wide insights to action capability that's being utilised by all of your team members, whether they're front of house, back of house. It's being used in sort of stand-ups, being used in um, uh, team huddles. Your sort of product strategy teams are using those insights to plan where you are going to play going forward. As I said, the experienced designers are using those insights. And then as you're rolling out your changes to either your service proposition, your processes, you bring bringing on new people, you're able to drive that consistency and embed that customer-centric culture. Um, if you don't have this real-time insights to action capability running, it's you can do it. But it's just so much harder just looking at, I think, um, you know, the traditional sort of financial operational metrics and and less dynamic view of customer and staff um, engagements and uh, experience that's being delivered. So it, it would be to embed this real time insights to action capability across the whole organisation and make sure it's it's being activated and widely used.
0: I think we need real time as well. Like to the point of the fact that customers are so unpredictable now. Um, And they do change so rapidly. If you're not really having that real-time data and insights, then you're never going to move at the pace that they need to. And one of the analogies I think um, I've personally liked using is, you know, we're always running. It's like we're running a marathon, trying to catch up to our customers, right? But we don't want to constantly be chasing them. We want to be at the same pace that they are. And it's it's the real time that is going to be the first step, I guess, in helping us kind of achieve that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, David, it was lovely to chat with you. Um, appreciate you joining us today and thank you so much for your time.
1: Uh, really appreciate it. really good questions. Uh, have an enjoyable rest of your afternoon. Thank you.